0: at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Alexandra Potter is the author of Confessions of a 40-something Fuck Up. I mean, it has two little ellipses, so you don't always read it, but that's what it's called. By the way, I am obsessed with Alexandra, and she is going to be interviewing me for the launch of my novel, Blank, which comes out March 1st, and she and I are going to be in conversation at Zippy's bookshop in Santa Monica. And I am so excited for that. So thank you to her for that. She is amazing. Definitely go follow her and read everything she's written. Okay. Alexandra Potter is the bestselling author of numerous novels, including this one, Confessions of a 40 something F up, which is now the basis of a major TV series. These titles have sold in 25 territories and achieved worldwide sales of more than 1 million copies, making the bestseller charts around the world. Born and raised in Yorkshire, Alexandra lived for several years in L.A. before settling back in the U.K. She currently lives in London with her California husband and their Bosnian rescue dog. FYI, from her website, she says that her childhood dream was always to be a writer. She graduated from Liverpool University with a degree in English literature and worked in magazines in London. She traveled to Sydney, Australia, and landed a job at Vogue. Her first novel, What's New Pussycat, was published in 2000, a week before her 30th birthday, and made it to the top 10. She's written 12 novels, including Be Careful What You Wish For, Me and Mr. Darcy, which won Best New Fiction Award at the Jane Austen Regency World Awards, Love from Paris, which was shortlisted for the RNA Comedy Award, and now, of course, her latest. Aside from her novels, she also wrote a short story for Radio 4 and has contributed to several anthologies, including Girls' Night In, in Aid of the international charity, War Child. Her book, Confessions of a 40-something F-Up, is the basis of the ABC show, Not Dead Yet. Welcome, Alexandra, thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Confessions of a (laughs) 40-something (laughs) F-Up. Thanks, Vivi. It's wonderful to be here. It's so meta because the protagonist of your book ends up being a podcaster. And here I am as a podcaster (laughs) asking you about the book about the podcaster. So it's like a full circle moment here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's awesome.
0: Okay. Tell listeners what your book is about. And by the way, because this came out earlier in the UK, your second book is already out. So we have to hear yeah. about that, but it's not available here yet, but soon. So anyway, the first book, Confessions of a 40-something, F up.
2: Okay, so this book came about because I was in my 40s and me and my friends were all talking about our lives and we were kind of saying, it's kind of not how we thought it was going to be. It's sort of, we thought everything would be all figured out and we'd be sorted and we totally know what we were doing and we still, nobody really knows what they're doing And I was looking on social media and everybody's lives seemed perfect. Like everything was just like, you know, the kids looked all in their little white outfits and they were with their husbands walking on the beach at sunset and their houses looked amazing. And I was kind of thinking, my life looks nothing like that. And that's how the kind of idea was born of this character called Nell. And she's 40 something and kind of she hasn't ticked the boxes. She hasn't got it all worked out. Her life's this kind of messy life and then I had the idea that she would meet an older character called Cricket who's in her 80s because Nell starts to write obituaries and she writes one for Cricket's husband and they form this kind of unlikely friendship and they sort of start their lives over again and it's about sort of starting over, it's about trying to figure out life, it's it's about sort of telling it like it is. I wanted to tell it like it is and I want I wanted you to kind of show a character that falls in love with her life and not about falling in love with the guy.
0: I love that. Tell me (laughs) like it is. That's like my mantra. (laughs) And there's so many as a 40 something myself, if I'm 47, but there's so many things in here that I was like laughing out loud, (laughs) nodding my head, like covering my face, like smiling, (laughs) like, oh my gosh. And it's so great how at one point in the book, you know, Nell and all her friends are go through the same thing where like everybody feels like everyone else has it figured out. And yet you see here in plain truth, how in fact that is a lie and everybody feels that some area of their life is just a mess.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, it's that kind of idea that in some in some element of your life, you feel like you're failing and everyone's succeeding. And the sort of title of the book was that no one is an F up. You know, it's just that society can make you feel like that. Yeah, And I think Once Now sort of starts this secret podcast and it's kind of an anonymous podcast and all her friends start to relate to it. Yep. And and again, it's, so she's 40 something, but I've had messages from 20 somethings, 60 mm-hmm. somethings. I think it's, it's kind of universal for ev- everyone really. It's so true. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast itself is so
0: great. And I mean, all of it is just so fun, <laughs> there, but there are, there are sort of deeper, not deeper, but more, you know, long lasting, more serious messages. I feel like sprinkled throughout the book in different passages, sort of About life itself. I was hoping I could read just like two quick scenes if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's see, two, let's see. Okay, well, there's this one section you have called It's Complicated when you start with by saying, tonight I watched the news at 10. It should be renamed the bad news at 10. It was one horrible headline after another. And then you go down and you say, as a human being, when I see these things, I suffered the expected emotions horror, fear, sadness, but also a sense of shame. And not just shame at how we are treating the inhabitants of our planet, but shame that my own problems are completely insignificant when held in context. How can I wake up with the fear when I'm lying in bed safe and warm and there are people out there without food or shelter? How can I look in the mirror and feel gloomy about my saggy knees when women younger than me are dying of cancer and it's a privilege to age how can i feel sad about not finding my happy ever after when so much of our planet is being destroyed and how can i even concern myself with my faltering career and failed love life when we have brexit and trump in short how dare i complain about my life when i have so much compared to so many the answer is i don't know truly i know all these things to be true and yet i still feel all of these other things They jostle alongside each other like the paradox that life so often is. For so much of the day, I forget about the big stuff. Like most people, I'm just focused on getting through each day and the small stuff that affects my life and those closest around me. But then I'll hear about some tragedy or watch the news and suddenly I'm reminded again, dot, dot, dot. And I swear to myself, I'll never complain about anything ever again. But of course I do. We all do. And then you sum up by saying, if getting older has taught me one thing, it's that I feel so many conflicting things about so many different things and to negate or stifle any of them doesn't make them go away. Emotions don't necessarily have a moral compass. Feelings can't be shamed into disappearing. Suppressing and ignoring them will only make them come back to bite you in the therapist's chair. Because this is what I've learned. Sorry, this is a long excerpt. I can, feel, I can feel like I don't know what the hell I'm doing and refuse to look in mirrors with overhead lighting and still go on the women's march and war like a mother ever. I can weep for that father who lost his daughter and pray for the friend I don't know. And a few days later, be scrolling and despairing that I am not taking beach selfies with my handsome husband. And I can marvel at a sunset and think how lucky I am and wake up in the night with the fear because life is complicated and so are we. Oh, I loved that so much. You know
2: that that just writing can be really hard, but that passage just completely flowed out of me when I wrote that because it's something that I really feel, and I I do I feel all those things. You know, I, I I it's complicated, isn't it? It's like how can I complain about all these little trivial things when that's when the stuff that's going on in the world when you look at the news. But we do, and that's being human, isn't it? It's just that's human, and a lot of people have related to that passage. I think that chapter, because 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 we we care about the big stuff and the little stuff. It's like when she says, "I can't believe I'm complaining about my saggy knees, yeah. or having some cellulite, or not having you know a gorgeous husband," when you know there's wars going on and people don't have food and shelter. Yeah, I try to make this a fun book. But I wanted to put some deeper stuff in there because I think the age I am now, that's the kind of stuff that I'm thinking about. Well, it's so true. I think about this kind of stuff all the time. And then I feel bad yes.
0: for all my feelings. Like it, it's so s- trivial that I even have these stupid feelings. And, and then I feel even worse about yeah. whatever I was feeling bad yes. to begin with. <laughs>
2: yeah. But we shouldn't feel bad. It's human. We all, we all do it. All of us do it. Yeah. But still. It's hard. <laughs> yes. And then you also have, I won't read
0: such a long passage next time, but I promise, but you talked about this whole, uh, the invisibility of aging women and how, like, if you don't want to be known to, you know, con- the construction workers who, like, whistle when you walk by, don't worry, just wait. You'll be forty one day and you will get this magical gift. You don't even have to, like, beg for it. <laughs> and so at the end of this whole thing, which, of course, is so funny because you're hilarious, or Cricket says... I'm not saying this to be trite or to make you feel better, but believe me when I say this, the people who matter will see you no matter what. And I loved that too.
2: It's so true. And it was kind of, Cricket says it's your superpower. You know, being invisible is actually a superpower because Nell sort of talks about how when she was a kid, she wanted to be invisible. And now she's a 40 something woman and she just totally feels invisible. And then Cricket spins it on its head. And I think that line that Cricket says about, you know, trust me, the you know, the people that are important, they will always see you. And and those two characters see each other. Yeah. Because I think cricket as an 80 something woman feels very invisible. And so that was, so that's kind of a really important thing that I wanted to get across that it's actually not such a bad thing being invisible because it gives you a, it gives you a real freedom, I think, as you get older to be able to to do things that you, to do things that you wouldn't do when you were younger, because you, you feel so, so vulnerable because you feel like everyone's looking at you. Yep. And then Cricket's like,
0: well, now just, we don't care. Like, we'll yeah. just, do it, just do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, I great. know. I know, it's great. <laughs> I love the character so much. I mean, Nell feels like, I mean, how, this is, a question that I hate to even ask a novelist, but like, how close is Nell to you? Is this like pretty much you or just a f- to- like, how are you two the most different?
2: Nell, I think Nell, Nell's the fictional character. So she's, there's bits of me in there, but I, what I loved about writing the character of Nell is that she's, Nell's really nice. You know, she's super nice. She's always helping her friends out. And I think that there's definitely elements of, of me and Nell. Like, I think there's bits of me in all my characters. There's bits of me in cricket. There's bits of me in her other friends. But she's not me. You know, it's not a memoir. Because it's really funny, when I first wrote the book, a lot of people thought they were reading a non-fiction book. <laughs> and I had to say to people, no, it's I'm actually not Nell. <laughs> and a lot of people were like, where's the podcast? And I was like, well, there isn't a podcast. It's a fictional podcast. So... Have you, have you thought about starting the podcast? I would love to start the podcast. It's just it's time. Podcasts yes. are, you know, I, I have friends that have podcasts, as I'm sure you know, and they take up a lot of time, you know, and you've got to be super committed to doing a to doing a really good podcast. And um, it's difficult when you're when you're writing books at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. Let's go back to the writing books part.
1: Yeah.
0: So wait, take me back to the beginning of your career and like, how did you get started writing books? Where did this all come from? Blah, blah, blah. Like take me back.
2: So I, as a, as a small kid, I was always writing short stories, always making things up in my head. I had a really great imagination. And then I loved English. I loved reading. I was that kid, you know, with my head in a book. I went to university. I did English literature. And then when I left, I really wanted to work in magazines. And so I worked in women's magazines for all through my 20s. But I couldn't kind of, I I, I was always sort of like the freelance feature writer or I was doing the sub-editing and I couldn't climb up the ladder. I couldn't get the jobs I used to apply for. And then one day I was sitting at work and I I was subbing an article about six writers under the age of 30 that had written their first novel. And they gave advice about how to write a novel. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a go at this. So in my lunch hour and before work, I used to sort of, I had an idea for a novel and I would write it. And it was, this is 1998, 1999. So, you know, you're printing off your pages. And I got a book and it told me some agents. And I went to the post office and I posted the printed pages off. And um, a couple of the agents called me in and said, we really like this. So I signed with an agent, the agent I've still got today at William Morris, she was then. And she said, go away and write the book. And I was like, well, how, how long have I got? And she said, well, as long as you want, you know, just as quickly as you can. And I had a, I had a car. So I sold my car and I lived off the money from my car for six months and I finished the book. And then I finished the book and we sold it. We sold it and um, there was a bidding war for it. So the first mm-hmm. one came out, it was a week before my 30th birthday. So that was amazing. amazing. And and then I carried on. So I've written 15 books now. So I've been doing it. I'm I'm 53 now. So what's 23 years? You know, it's a two-book deal, a three-book deal, and some were really successful, some weren't successful. And um, I was writing a lot of romantic comedies and I started doing romantic comedies with a magical twist. That was sort of my USP. So it was, you know, a woman would meet herself age 21 and it was kind of a time travel book about what would you tell yourself if you could tell your younger self things. And the idea is actually it's the younger self that teaches the older woman mm. how to live life again. And there was a book about someone that goes on a Jane Austen tour and gets to date Mr. Darcy. And there are all these kind of books. And and then I got to a period where I I was in my mid forties, and I fell out of a book deal, and they didn't sign me up for another book deal. And I was like, "Whoa!" So what do I do now? Because I just that's all I'd been doing. And then I so I, I took some time out. I, I got married in my forties, and I just got yeah, I just got married, and and so then I was thinking, okay, I, I want to keep writing, but you know what? I think I want to write something different, and because I'd got older different things matter to me now. It wasn't just about a 20-something girl wanting to meet the guy. It was it was more about this kind of stuff that you just read, you know, deeper things, you know, the issues that we're all facing. And so that's when I came up with this idea of an older character. And I wanted to just make it real. I wanted to make it really relatable and also weave in a lot of the issues that affect all of us. And that's how the idea for confessions of a 40 something up came and I'd actually had that title for about 15 years and I kind of kept it in my back pocket thinking I'm going to use that title one
1: day and so I pulled it out
0: (laughs) amazing oh my gosh I
1: love that Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
0: Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I haven't read your other books, but do you use the same stylistic, clever, funny things that you do here where you have like little lists and you have, you know, pretend excerpts of other articles and like the formatting and the way you keep the reader engaged in this like multi format yeah
2: not no not so much this 40 something one was the first time I've kind of done that because I I think a lot of people find it difficult to find time to read a novel now Mm -hmm. you know just like the name of your podcast no (laughs) one's got any time and so I wanted to keep, I make the chapters really short. Yep. I wanted to put like funny little WhatsApp conversations in and, and, you know, a little, you know, you sort of have the, the idea where Nell's lost her libido. Yeah, that was and it's so funny. Like oh it, my gosh. It's, it's like, it's a little, a lost, missing dog. persons. <laughs> yeah. Missing persons. So I try to put funny little things in that. So if someone doesn't have a lot of time to read, they can just read, you know, like one or two pages. And they're not feeling like they've got this really long chapter that they've got to finish. I really like having that sort of multifunctional kind of book because I think it's entertaining and it's fun. And and a lot of my readers actually are people that have said that they have not read a book in ten years. Mm. That they've never read a book before. Wow. And that they came across mine and they found it really easy to read, which is brilliant because I love the fact that you know I'm getting people reading.
0: It's amazing. No, I I started reading this book in the summer with like a whole group of my team around for this retreat. And like within a page, I was laughing and they're like, okay, what are you reading? And I was like, you all have to read this. But it's true because you're like, it's so immediate. You're right inside someone else's mind and someone who happens to be really funny. And then, of course, have all these, you know, funny, but also sad and trauma you know, all these different things happen. Sort of sad and life and aging parents and friends and God. I mean, you just, it's like the full... Spectrum of stuff that's going on in our time,
2: but you make it also entertaining, which I guess is the
0: point of like a great read, right?
2: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, I try to throw it all in there. I try to put everything in there that we're all dealing with. And that's why Nell's got her girlfriends, because every yes. friend has an issue going on in their life. So I think there's something that everybody can relate to, you know, because Nell doesn't have kids, but her friends have kids. And then cricket didn't want kids. Yep. So there's, you know, I'm trying to sort of look at it from all the different angles. So there's something for everyone. You had a funny line at some point yeah. when Nell read some article
0: that a woman had just had a baby and she's like, now I've become a woman. <laughs> and
2: she's like, what am I like a non-woman? What does that make me? You know, like just, oh, yeah. You, know, you said it. She's on holiday yeah. and she's, she's reading some magazines by the pool. And it's all, it's all about sort of having a baby or getting into a bikini, being bikini ready. And she said, or even worse, it's having a baby and being bikini ready. Yeah. And so she's like, if I don't have a baby and I don't have a bikini body, then what am I? Because yeah. I don't have any yeah. of that stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh. So
0: what is the answer to getting through this time of like, where our bodies are sort of betraying us in a way, right? We've all these new things to deal with every single day. And you know, your your life is not set, but there it's more set than it was, right? And like yeah. like what is the what is your go-to for getting through the periods when you're feeling less than or
2: whatever. Like what's the or just what's laughter, yeah. humor, laughing about it. I mean, that's what Nell says. Yeah. Everything's better when you can laugh in the face of it all. I was just saying to my sister, we were like, you know, when are we ever going to get to a period where we're less busy and we kind of have a straight going on? And I'm like, uh, when we're dead, I just don't think we're ever going to get to a point where we're less busy. Yep. And, we're, you know, and so I think that, I think we're all still figuring it out. And I thought when I got older, I would know more of the answers to these questions. And actually I'm, I'm knowing less. <laughs> I, I just feel like I'm asking more and more questions. So I think having a great girlfriends laughing about it. And my mum's in her eighties, and my mum's got these brilliant girlfriends in their eighties, and I I love hanging out with them because they're all talking about stuff that's relevant to them, and I and I can see you know years ahead that we're all we're all still figuring stuff out. Yeah. So I I, I do think humor is is you know a huge huge thing to get through. I think you're right.
0: <laughs> okay. Tell me about more Confessions of a 40-something F-Up, which is
2: already out, already best-selling. Amazing. Congratulations. I know. Thank you. I got number 11 on the Times bestseller list. So I'm just, just out of the 10. Yeah, that just came out in the UK. And that starts 18 months after Confessions, the first one finishes. And so you get to see what's happened to everybody. And we're actually, we start just after Uh, the pandemic's finished and we're coming back out into the world. Oh, good. So it's really interesting to see what everyone's been doing and how their lives have changed. And it just, you know, the pandemic showed to everybody that, you know, you can't plan for things, you know, stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And so I was really nervous about writing the second one because everybody loved the first one. So I was like, oh gosh, you know, I hope it's not going to be the sequel that nobody likes, but I've had really brilliant feedback and some people say they like it even more than the first one. So that's, that's so
0: great. Is there going to be another one after that?
2: Yeah, yeah, there will definitely be another one. I think I'm going to write a completely different standalone book next because okay. I just want to kind of let these characters live a little bit mm-hmm. and do some stuff and then I'll I'll come back to them and write another book. Because they're kind of like real people to me now. It's (laughs) it's weird. I feel like I'm hanging out with people that actually exist. (laughs) Because they do in my head. And what is this next one, the freestanding one? Do you know yet or you're just starting? No, I've kind of got a few ideas sort of swirling around, but I'm always really nervous about talking about anything. Yeah. It's quite interesting. I think I I listened to a podcast you did. Oh, thank you. With the author of End Credits, Yes, Patty Lin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I, because I read a really fantastic interview with her, and I think she was saying on your podcast, she doesn't like to talk about if you have an idea, a seed of an idea, you kind of got to keep it close. I think that was her writing advice. Yeah. And that would also be mine. It's to kind of keep it close to you. Because if I sort of talk about it and anybody goes, mm, I'm not sure about that, mm-hmm. it will just crush me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I I kind of have to, I have to kind of really get it to live in my head first before I then start to talk about what I'm going to do next. Totally but understand. Definitely going to write I'm going to write something new, something fun, something in the same vein. And tell me a little more
0: about your your whole process and where, like, what does it look like when you're writing? Is it, are you like on your
2: lap on the beach or like where? where are yeah, you? no, I'm super, I'm really super organized. I have a little office at uh, my house in London and I have a huge cork board on a wall and I map everything out with post-it notes and every character is a different color mm. So I put it all out and I, because I'm very visual and I like to see it. And I, when I stand back and look, I can say, oh, I'm a bit character heavy here and we don't have enough of this character there. And I know some writers, some friends of mine, they just kind of start writing and they just go for it. Whereas I have to have had this whole thing plotted out. I feel like I need to know the end so that I can work backwards and put the reveals in and the little twists and the pacing and, and then so once I've planned everything out, then I, I I it's a full-time job. It's Monday through Friday. I try putting a full working day. And yeah, I, I I switch the phone off. I have to put it in the attic because it's just I just <laughs> it's so addictive to turn that out. And then and also now writing it's really uh, for an author. You do so much social media now, mm-hmm. which you know, back in the day it just didn't exist. So you didn't have to do that stuff. So that can be both distracting but also fantastic because I never used to know what readers thought of my books. You know, you couldn't interact with anybody and it was like, so great interacting with you. It's really great. that You can, that, you know, people can, they send, I get these wonderful messages from people that say, you know, we've read your book and they tell me their stories and it's, I love that. But so I spend quite a lot of time on social media, which, which is work. Yes. And so you're writing, but you're also doing a lot of um, engaging and promoting and, but I really like that compared to how it used to be 20 years ago. I prefer it.
0: What's what's the trick to longevity and staying a working novelist for your whole career? Because that is an it's an enviable spot for many who are just starting out.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think definitely sort of being dogged about it. And and also it's a wheel that turns. And you you're gonna have some books that you think are great and they are just not going to sell and then you will, the wheel will turn and you know you'll write a book and it will be a bestseller and definitely i mean i've been in this game for 24 years now which i never thought i thought i would write one book and then that was it and so i think looking back it's it's just about being really determined putting your bum in the chair and writing even though you've got a million other things to do because We've all got a million things to do, haven't we? Life. You could just spend all day kind of doing life stuff. And so I think it's I think it's about being really sort of determined to write, knowing that you're going to have, you know, highs and lows, and also loving what you do. I mean, I, I really am passionate about what I do. I love, I love creating characters. I love writing books. I I love making someone feel seen, someone that felt lonely has read my book and they relate to it and it's made them laugh and it's made them uplifted. And I love that. I mean, that's such a humbling and brilliant thing that I can do and I want to keep doing it. love it.
0: Everything you say is like everything I feel in my brain. <laughs> it's like the same. <laughs>
1: this,
0: is, this is amazing. Do you have authors who you either sort of are good like comps to you or or that you love or that you admire or just, you can't put down their work or just any, any other authors to call out or books you've loved? Well,
2: lessons in chemistry. I mean, absolutely. Bonnie Garmus. it was, you know, I, I read that book and I, I looked forward every night to reading that book when I would get into bed and I'd read it. And I, I just thought it was so fantastic. And I thought, I just loved the characters. I loved the message of the book. It was a really important message and I actually messaged her on Instagram and I kind of did the whole fangirl. I'm sure you get thousands yeah. <laughs> of messages, but I have to say that I thought this was funny. And she messaged me back and she's like, wow, thank you so much as an author. I'm sure you know what it's like. And I thought that was a brilliant book. And I've recommended that one to everyone. And I love that my mum, who's 84, loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, my sister loved it. So it appeals to lots of people. I really liked Daisy Jones and the Sixth. Mm-hmm. I read that one on holiday, and again, I I just it was so realistic. I felt like that was a real band. Yeah. So I'm I'm working through her books, and I like a lot of nonfiction, especially when I'm writing because I, I feel like I can't enter someone else's fictional world. I read a, an autobiography by an actress called Miriam Margulies. She's a big actress in British actress, and she was in the Harry Potter films, and she's in her eighties, and she it was a fantastic autobiography. I just read Richard E. Grant's Pocket Full of Happiness about his wife that died, but he intertwines stories about Hollywood and acting, mm. which is wonderful. And then I've got a lot of uh, friends, British writers, you know, Jojo Moyes, Lisa Jewell, that I, I love reading their stuff when that comes out. And then of course I, yeah, I'm always reading my phone. <laughs>
0: Oh gosh, amazing. Lisa Jewell and Jojo jo Moyes were on this podcast. In fact, Lisa, I think twice. I love them. They're amazing.
2: I mean, yeah, they write fantastic books. They do. And they're pro- prolific. Yeah. I mean, Lisa's every year, Lisa's got a book out. It's amazing.
0: She credits like Gin and Tonics, though, or something for her.
2: Yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> Yeah, no, a good Negroni. Yeah, a good I Negroni, think.
0: maybe that's what it is. Yes, a good Negroni. That's that's much better. <laughs>
2: a much better answer.
0: Oh my goodness. And do you listen to any podcasts since this woman is a pod, since Nell is a is a podcaster? Did you do any research about podcasts before you wrote it?
2: You know, it's actually really funny. I've listened to a few podcasts. I I listened to yours. Oh, I loved yours. Thank you. I've listened to a few, but I'm actually not a big podcast listener to, which is really funny because my my heroine does a podcast, yes, you know. Yeah. But I think I, I do know that there's only so much time I have in the day. And so when I'm working and then I'm I'm reading. And then I'm chatting to my friends and stuff. I don't have I don't have a lot of time. My husband listens to a lot of podcasts, but every time I seem listening to a podcast, it's put him to sleep. <laughs> he said that's the perfect way to go to sleep. So I've listened to, I've listened to quite a few. I, there's a, some really good ones in England, actually. I was on a couple of them, but I I wouldn't say I'm as a prolific listener of podcasts as I am of reading. Yep. But I do love Audible books. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way if you're, if you're busy or you're, you know, you're doing stuff, walking the dog too. I, I like listening to a book. I think that's cool. Yeah. So just
0: getting the most out of all of our time here, basically. It's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Alexandra, thank you so much. I am like the biggest fan of yours. I can't believe it's taken thank me so long you. to find you. And I like clung on every word. I love your sense of humor. I'm just... So into what you write so I can't wait for the next
2: one thank you did you see did you see the show that they did no and
0: I'm sorry meant to mention that you turned it it's called you're not dead yet or something let's not yeah know. yeah no I just wanted you to see now. no and now I have to obviously go watch it congratulations on the show uh, I should have said that uh, thank you I have it in your bio at the beginning
2: which I'll record later. I know thank you so much and it's been picked up for season two so oh my fingers right to strike so exciting so so
0: exciting I know. Okay. Thanks. Yes. I'll go watch that. Maybe that'll be my nighttime, my nighttime treat after it, <laughs> after it all.
2: you got to fit it in with all the other stuff. Oh, we all fit everything in.
0: Anyway, oh. congratulations. Thank you so much. You. It was lovely speaking to you. You too. And thanks for coming okay, to the bye. store. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.